please remain standing for scripture reading. We invite you to take your Bibles and turn to our text this morning. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8, and we'll be reading together verses 18 to 22, Matthew 8, verses 18 to 22. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came and said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me. And allow the dead to bury their own dead. May God bless his word. Please be seated. Following Jesus is hard. Being a fan of Jesus is easy. This morning I want us to see the difference between those two from the words of Christ. Being a follower and being a fan. Anyone who tells you differently, that is, that following Jesus is not hard. Beloved is either trying to sell you something, probably a book, or they are just outright lying, and they have never followed Jesus in their life. The fan life, the fan life is easy. The following life is hard. Fans are there to share in the glory. Followers are there to also share in the sufferings. Fans flee when sufferings come. Followers, though, endure all things for the sake of the name. That's the theme of the Christian life. It's one that Jesus has made very clear. He's not one who has lured in followers with promises, false promises, like a a politician might. No, he's made it plain that following him is tough, and it is painful and sacrificial, and, and often it's without notice that no one knows, no one sees. How many believers are suffering around the world without anyone paying attention? Are you one who's willing to follow even when none go with you? Are you willing to follow when people say all kinds of false things about you, treat you poorly, and insult you? Following is hard. We see that in this text. We see it in many places in Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament of those who followed Christ there and like Moses chose the ill treatment from the world rather than the passing pleasures of sin. We see it in the book of Hebrews where many, it says, many of whom the world was not worthy, 
experienced mockings and scourgings and chains and prison, some sawn in two, some run through by the sword, some having to wear sheepskins living in deserted places and caves and holes, holes in the ground. We see it in the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and following, or 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 4 through 10 where Paul describes his own life in following Jesus. And he says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in labors, in sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, Kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and yet behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, as poor and yet making many rich, as having nothing but possessing everything. That list should take your breath away. Who would have said to that job description, sign me up, put me in, coach. I'm in. When do I start? So as we look throughout scripture, we see Jesus making very, very clear what the life of a disciple looks like. The rewards we know are infinite. Possessing everything, as Paul says. Possessing everything. But the way is hard. And so... No one could come and accuse Jesus of false advertising. No one could say, this isn't what you said it was going to be like. I thought this was going to be fun. No, beloved, if you read your Bibles, you will know that this is the only way of the genuine Christian life. Following Jesus is hard. Now, it will certainly be harder for some than others, no doubt. Not all are called to prison like Paul or Peter. Not everybody's called to martyrdom like Stephen or James. Not all are called to some foreign nation like Todd and Karen or Grant and Deb to spread the gospel. But all are called to come knowing that the way of following Christ is uphill. Knowing as well that the rewards will be spectacular, possessing everything. This past week, we went on a trip to uh, South Dakota, Diane and I, and uh, we spent some time out in the, uh, the Black Hills and Custer State Park and the Badlands, and we one day we were able to uh, climb the, the highest peak out there called Black Elk Peak, the highest peak in South Dakota. And it was a wonderful clear day. And it's about a three-mile hike up. 
And uh, at the top, there is an old stone fire tower that was built back in the 1930s uh, Conservation Corps days that you can climb. And, and uh, you can spot the tower from a couple miles away, actually, when you're, you're hiking. And as you're hiking, you see the tower, and it seems almost like it's about 10 miles away. And when you see it in the distance, you, you wonder, wow, that's a long way. Well, when you reach the top, the view is, is amazing. You can see on a clear day Wyoming, the Montana, North Dakota, and Nebraska, all from that point. Now, it wasn't a brutal hike. It was a long one of sorts. It wasn't brutal. The weather that day was sunny and it was cool, and so it was not a bad hike. But as we were walking up we, and down, we talked about how different it would be if we were there just the Sunday before, last Sunday, because it was in the 90s, last Sunday there. Or how different it would have been on Monday when Monday there were 8 to 10 inches of snow there that day. It all depended on the day, on the the particular day and the particular week. Some of us in our Christian lives travel absolutely brutal paths in following Jesus. And others, it's still hard, but, but not as brutal. It depends on the providence of God. As God determines our steps, as God determines the era in which we live and the places in which we live. But the way of Christ is all uphill, and it is all with difficulty, no matter who you are. There's no train to the top. Bunyan, in his uh, work, Pilgrim's Progress, there wrote of a hill called Difficulty. A hill called Difficulty. And he wrote this little poem in Pilgrim's Progress about the hill. He says, this hill, though high, I covet to ascend. The difficulty will not me offend. For I perceive the way to life lies here. Come, pluck up heart. Let's neither faint nor fear. Better, though difficult, the right way to go than wrong, though easy, where end is low. The way is hard. But this is the way to life, beloved, and the rewards are spectacular. What you will see from the top when you finish the race set before you, will be amazing. And it will be worth the climb to follow Jesus. You know that no one's going to reach that day and say, huh, huh, this is it? We, uh, we had that experience as we went to, on a vacation, the town of Deadwood, South Dakota. Deadwood, it sounded so historic, so western, and it was a place where Wild Bill Hickok was shot. It seemed to have a lot of potential. But we left with a, huh, that's it. 
It was a time where almost every restaurant and store was filled with video gambling machines, and it had this very grimy, strange kind of feel to the town. Maybe the name Deadwood should have tipped us off. (laughs) But not so the reward of Christ. It will far exceed the trials of the climb. It will be that which will cause you to find new wonder in for all of eternity. As you, in a sense, look out, the sky will continually open before you and you will see new visions of the wonders and the beauty and the power and the love of your God forever. The way is hard. But the reward is that which you will never find to come short of the trial. And yet, this side of eternity, Christ is honest about the uphill hike. He wants us to come ready for it. This is what we find in Matthew's account. We find a scribe coming to Jesus, looking to follow Jesus in in at least some sort of way. We don't know how sincere he was. He professes as he comes a confidence in himself, really. Verse 19 Teacher, I will follow you. I will follow you wherever you go. You wonder if Jesus, as he looked at the scribe, didn't give him sort of a slow nod before he responds. Here is a man before him who is sure, absolutely sure of his ability to follow Jesus. Bring it on. Let's do this. Yet the way Christ responds shows the man that following Jesus is far more difficult than he had imagined. It's interesting how Christ responds to the scribe. It's probably not how you and I would respond to someone. If someone came to a politician and and told them, look, I'm willing to follow you wherever you go. He or she would probably respond by saying something like, this is fantastic. It's wonderful to hear. I'm so glad to hear you say you want to follow me wherever I go. It's going to be great having you along. I hope there are a lot more like you. Instead, Jesus responds with a statement. He doesn't congratulate the man. Because he says, a statement about what life, his life, is like on the road as an itinerant preacher. What life is like when you follow the Son of Man, the Messiah. He tells the scribe that even the animals have places to go home at night. Foxes have holes in the ground and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus comes and confronts this man with the hard reality of what it really means to follow him wherever he goes. In this circumstance for this scribe, it would mean that he would have nowhere to call home. He would have nowhere to be comfortable. He would find no soft pillow for his head. Following Jesus is hard. This is the same reality we find in 
in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 9, in the parallel text there, and also in Luke 14, where there Jesus reminds the people, the large crowd that was following him in Luke 14, of the serious cost that is there in following him. Indeed, we know following Christ involves some kind of cost-benefit analysis. You, you need to understand the pain and the difficulty of following, but you need to understand that in light of the final reward so that you will not faint when trouble comes, but you will keep your eyes on Jesus as the author and the finisher of faith. Truth is, following Jesus is not going to be something that ever fits comfortably into your life. It will never be something that you and I find to be smooth and pleasant and and convenient. That's not the Christian life. It's not convenient. The fan life is smooth, it's pleasant, and, and above all, the fan life is convenient. This past week, a pastor made a statement that struck home with me uh, in these days in which we live, especially in this era of the COVID virus. This pastor spoke of how he believed that as people are slow to return to church, and some certainly with very good reason, no doubt, but he said that he thought 20 to 30 percent of people will never return. The small difficulties of this virus and the convenience of life without church. You get to stay home in your slippers on Sundays. Have proved too hard. (laughs) Too hard for many to return. Too inconvenient. Another pastor spoke of how church Church ought to be, the gathering together with God's people in worship, ought to be our excuse for missing everything else. Rather than how it often is, everything else seems to be our excuse for missing the worship of God's, with God's people. The follower of Christ is one who finds being together with God's people his or her excuse for missing most other things. The fan is one who finds excuses for not being together with God's people. Excuses come easy and often for the fan. They're hard. They're hard for the follower. Matthew gives us another individual who comes along to Jesus. In verse 21, we find a disciple coming and saying, Lord, permit permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me. 
and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Seems like a hard statement. But in reality, it's not. It seems like Jesus may be being cruel in telling this man to let the dead bury their own dead. I mean, after all, it's about his own father. What he's saying is let those who are dead spiritually bear the one, bury the one who is dead physically. Now this would be an outrageous statement. If anyone but Jesus would have said this. If anyone but Jesus. We would think of another man or a woman some kind of control freak, cult leader, megalomaniac, if they would say it. But Jesus said it. We might think of another person, how dare they think that they are more important to me than my own father. And his death is not something I should stop and make time for. Who does he think he is? Well, he's Jesus. He knows who he is. He is God in the flesh. And, and God in the flesh is, beloved, more important to the follower of Christ than father or mother or brother or sister. Now there are some uh, in this text who think what the man is really saying or asking is that he wanted to go, wanted to wait until his father died so that he could collect the inheritance and then he would come follow Jesus and that's certainly possible. But either way, Christ is still placing himself above this man's father. He is saying he is of more value than even this man's father. We find Christ making this point in Luke chapter 14. Verse 26, where he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now Christ is using hyperbole there in Luke 14. He's not commanding us to hate family members. But he is setting it in such a light that he is so far above them that our love for him makes our relationships with others seem like hate. This is a hard statement Christ makes to this man. He is saying, I am of more worth than your family. My cause is greater than even the cause of mourning your own father. And we need to understand Christ isn't calling us to abandon our families. Rather, this is a call to know that even family is never to be placed above Christ. Even love for family is not to surpass our love for Christ. 
We can certainly do both. We can love family and Christ, but we cannot love them equally. Not even close. Christ alone is loved supremely. He is showing us that he is to be of greater importance than even this great thing of love for father or mourning of a father. And so the follower of Jesus finds nothing that will keep them from following Christ or delay them when Christ calls. And they will be those who indeed are making hard choices. That's part of the Christian life. It will mean you will be called to make difficult, hard choices in this life to follow Jesus. There are those in this life who have allowed love of family or love of another person to keep them from following Christ. Maybe it's a wife who, who's married to an unbeliever. She, she can't let her love of her husband keep her from following Christ. Husbands, you, you can't allow fear of your wife to keep you from serving Christ and being the spiritual leader of your home. We can't allow our desire for friendships to keep us from speaking the truth to those around us. We can't allow our desire to be liked by the world or, or by those who seem to be influential even in the church at large to keep us from speaking the truth about homosexuality or transgenderism or Marxist approaches to racism or just speaking the gospel plain and clear and bright. Christ is right to tell this man not to go home, even for his father's funeral. For following the Son of Man is the most important work he's called to. Sort of like a soldier, perhaps, who's, who's fighting in the heat of the fight on the front lines. Bullets are flying. And he gets word that his father's died. He can't leave. He can't leave even in this moment. Even for the good cause of his own father and his own grief. Christ is supreme. So the follower of Christ is one who finds no excuses for not following Jesus. Beloved, Christ is not a hard master. He's not a hard master, but he's an honest master. And he is a worthy one. Worthy above all. One who said that the rewards of faithfulness in this life will be beyond what you have imagined them to be. Think about how great it will be in the presence of Christ one day. And 
the pleasures that are there, as the psalmist in Psalm 16 says, at his right hand. Think of those. And, and then think again, because you just thought too small. And then think again, because you just thought too small. Christ will be worth it. The follower of Jesus, then, beloved, is one who finds no excuses. They stay in the fight until they cannot fight any longer. They finish the race, going until they've reached the end. They fight the good fight, they finish the course. But the fan, the fan is one who always finds excuses. They always find it far easier to do other things. Even easier, far easier things than your father's funeral. But may we be those who are found faithful in that day. Let us with Paul not grow weary, as Paul says, of doing good. In Galatians 6, 9, for in due season, Paul says, we will reap if we do not give up. And the writer of Hebrews calls us to look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's who we follow. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made the way of following Christ plain, clear. Lord, you haven't deceived us about it. You have showed us the very hard realities. And yet, you have also shown us the glories that are ours in that. Lord, help us to set before us that upward call of God in Christ Jesus as we indeed press on, Lord, until that coming day, either when you call us home or Jesus returns for us. Lord, may we not shrink back. May we not be shy about the troubles and the difficulties. But Lord, may we follow hard after you. May you grant the grace, Lord, for one more day or one more week or however many more you might give until we too, like Paul, have finished the race. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand as Aaron leads us as we sing in closing. My chains are gone.